The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When a tragic murder-suicide takes place in a small town, everyone's looking for answers. But it turns out the only way to know the truth is to speak to the spirits themselves. And then we travel to Peru to take a look at the ongoing story of a possible alien invasion going on down there. The government and the media wants us to believe this is simply a hoax, a Scooby-Doo-esque prank by an illegal gold mining operation. But when these aliens are described as being seven feet tall, bulletproof, and have the ability to fly, you have to ask yourself, when has the government and the media ever been known to tell the whole truth? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys had an awesome weekend. Hope you guys are finalizing your summer plans. If you're currently living in Southern California, you're in a hurricane shelter. But for the rest of the world, well, if you're if you're in Peru, you're being invaded by aliens. If you're in Canada, you're dodging wildfires. But other than, other than those three regions, I hope you guys have some fun summer plans. Someone who always knows how to plan well for the summer. Walking into Dead Rabbit Command is our newest Patreon supporter. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for Matt Stonely. Woohoo! Yeah! <laughs> Yay! Matt walking into Dead Rabbit Command. And he's opening up all the windows, which is good advice. You guys may hear a little bit more background noise in this episode than normal. I've poured Drano in my kitchen sink and it doesn't say explicitly on the bottle to be in a well-ventilated house but i figure you know i'm using abundant caution in this one time in my life i have the window open you might hear some birds and some cars just so the fumes don't overtake me but matt stonely is doing his best as well. <laughs> he has a plunger he's working on my toilet matt you're going to be our captain our pilot this episode if you guys can't support the show if you guys don't want to come over to my place and work on the plumbing that's fine too it really is. If you're a plumber, if you're a plumber, I definitely could use your services, but you don't have to. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so, so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. And speaking of that, right now, I am on the Paraflix Network. What's the Paraflix Network, you say? It's a internet streaming site. It's like a Netflix for paranormal investigators. A while back, I did an interview with Dr. Kelly Schutz, a very, very fun interview that I did with her. I've made a really good connection with her. We're doing another convention. I'll talk about that in a later episode. But right now, you can watch our interview. This is the very first interview I've done on video. It will be on the Paraflex Network. I'll put it in the show notes. I'll put the link in the show notes. Paraflex Network has a three-day free trial. After that, it's simply $3.99 a month. I don't get any money from if you sign up or not. But if more people watch my episode, then that can definitely, you know, create a demand out there for me. 
So I would really appreciate it if you guys all went to Paraflix Network and watched Disembodied Voices. That's the name of Dr. Kelly Schutz's interview show. She interviews paranormal investigators from all over the world. I'll put the Paraflix link in the show notes if you guys want to sign up for that three-day trial and watch my episode and watch other stuff too. But uh, check it out. Check it out. And I've thought about doing something on that network, right? It all comes down to time. I still have a bunch of stickers to send out. I don't even have time to send out the stickers. So I appreciate those who have been patient waiting for your sticker. You're like, yeah, Jason, it's been a while. I forgot that I got a sticker. Matt, you'll get a sticker too. But first off, let me go ahead and toss you the... Let me toss you a steam shovel and everyone hop on board the Carpenter Caboose. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. Chug, chug, chug us all the way out to Georgia. Chugga, 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 Train going down the great railways of America. We're headed off to Macon, Georgia. We're headed on out there. Go ahead and pull us up this Carpenter Caboose. Pull us all the way up, Matt, to outside this house. Now, this is a story, like so many stories we cover on this show, where we don't have a specific, super specific location, Macon, Georgia, right? That's, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a huge city. We know it takes place shortly before 1885. That's about as close as we can get with a date and a time. This news article showed up in many newspapers in the month of June 1885. We're standing outside this house now. The sun has long set. The moon is high in the sky. Squirrels taking their nightly naps. But we're standing outside this house and we're standing next to a man named Robert Sinclair. Now, Robert Sinclair has heard stories about this house. Stories that have terrified local residents. Stories that have made a national news or will shortly after this night. But to Robert, it was more than just a ghost story. Robert is standing outside the home of his recently deceased friend, who's referred to as Jones in the article. We have no name other than the Jones family, the Jones estate. Robert Sinclair was a good friend of Mr. Jones. Robert's standing outside this house, and next to him is his dog. He brings his dog out. For these walks. Now he's walked through this area a lot. But this time he's there for a mission. Because like I said. He was good friends with the Jones family. And they had both recently died. Which would be tragic in and of itself. But a lot of questions. Are left in this particular death. Because it was a murder-suicide. And of course you would always wonder. What happened? Why it happened? And was there any way to stop it? But Robert doesn't know the answer to any of these questions. He doesn't know if he'll ever know the answers to these questions. But he has heard a lot of stories since his friend, Mr. Jones, killed his own wife. And then himself, Robert's been hearing the ghost stories. Robert's been hearing that this house where his friends once lived is now haunted. It's funny, we cover a lot of ghost stories on this show, obviously, Paranormal Podcast. Think about all of the ghost stories you've heard throughout your life or on this podcast or read online or whatever. Now imagine that you knew who those stories were based on. They may not be as fun anymore, right? We may have a good time exploring a local crybaby bridge here on Dead Rabbit Radio. 
But what if it was your baby who died on that bridge? What if it was you who was driving across it with a newborn baby and your car went off the road? I guess you'd have bigger problems if you died in a bridge collapse. But let's say you, let's say it wasn't you and your baby. Let's say it was a friend of yours and their baby. And there was a tragic accident. And then a year or two later, people started saying, oh, did you know that bridge was haunted? Did you hear about that? You can drive over that bridge. You'll hear the sound of a baby crying. It is tasteless, right? I mean, we do it all the time. We talk about these stories all the time on the show. But in, in, this is a very specific example of that. Robert had heard these ghost stories spring up around a tragedy that he was very closely connected to. He knew these people. They were friends of his. Now they're both dead in one of the most tragic ways, right? A murder-suicide. Absolutely horrific. People are saying the house is haunted. So, of course, he's going to want to check it out. Maybe he's checking it out to dismiss the hauntings. Maybe he can tell people. Places are really haunted. Would you guys quit spreading rumors about this real-life tragedy? That may have been his reason of going there. But also, you figure in the back of his mind, you have to think. You really have to think. In a question like this, why did one of my friends kill himself and his own wife? Why did he do it? Even if there was just a slim chance that ghosts were real, and even if you accept the idea that ghosts are real, an even slimmer chance that this particular house was haunted, it was the slimmest of slimmest chances that you could actually find out why your friend committed such an unspeakable act, would you take it? Would you go into this house and try to figure out the truth? Robert walked into this empty house with his dog, and he stayed there for a couple hours. Nothing happened. Just a house that once held a lot of memories, now collecting dust. But around midnight, when Robert had all but given up hope that there was any possibility that he would find any answers, the ghost of Mr. Jones appears before him. Robert asked, this would be your main question on your mind, right? Why did you do it? Why did you kill your wife and then yourself? And we have an exact quote from the ghost. This is what was reported in the newspapers. Mr. Jones said, quote, Because I loved her, Mr. Sinclair, and I shall haunt the man who robbed her of her virtue until the day of his death. Now we'll get into that quote in a second, but the, the, the way the narrative ends is Robert does leave the house. He, he's not trapped there as a ghost there either. He does leave the house and he begins to tell people in town, listen, I went to the house. It is haunted. I saw the ghost of my friend, Mr. Jones. It is haunted. And he told me this. He told me that's why he committed such a vile act. And some people believed him. Some people believed that he actually did communicate with the spirit of the dead Mr. Jones. While others said, that's not true. Ghosts aren't real. And even if ghosts are real, none of them came to talk to Mr. Sinclair. This is all poppycock. The town was basically divided on the issue. But whether or not you believed the story that Robert had told, nobody in the town of Macon, Georgia, 
walk by the old Jones house after the sun went down. I found out about this story from a website called ExploreSouthernHistory.com, and they referenced a article in the Kansas City Star, a newspaper, June 15th, 1885, page two. So I went, tracked down that article, <laughs> paid $8 a month so I could now access these archives, uh, but I was able to find the article. Like When I see stuff like this, my first question is, is this true or was this really from the Weekly World News or some sort of internet legend? No. You can go back into the art. This is really cool. This is one thing I love about doing this show because I never would have done this otherwise. Thanks for ExploreSouthernHistory.com for bringing it to my attention. I found this article in the Kansas City Star, June 15th, 1885, page two. The article was printed back then. And apparently it was printed in other U.S. newspapers around the same time. It doesn't necessarily mean that the story's true. We do have... I mean, nowadays you can't believe everything you read in the news, so it's not necessarily that you could believe everything you read back then, either. Could just be a local ghost story that found its way onto page two of this newspaper. That's true. But there could also be a lot of truth behind it as well. We A lot of the paranormal stories on the show, we just have to go, this may be true, obviously it could all be fake, but this could be true. So let's look at it as it was a real story, that how it was actually reported. What? There's a lot of different ways you could slice this onion. Um, the most terrifying way, really, is the quote from the ghost. Because I loved her, Mr. Sinclair, and I shall haunt the man who robbed her of her virtue until the day of his death. Virtue. Vir virtue, right? I don't know, right? Now we're going to have to make a couple guesses. What I'm going to have to assume, based on this, is she was sexually assaulted I'm assuming I mean that's generally what that terminology means um I don't know the timeline right was this before they got married was this after they got married did he find out something that had happened to her and he just went nuts I, I honestly think it's probably something more recent than that where something had happened to her but why kill her I mean, I, I know that there are honor killings in parts of the world and stuff like that. It's unfortunate, but this this does work in certain places in the world. Um, you kill her because something her virtue is stolen. You kill her and then you kill yourself. And now you're going to haunt the man until the day of his death. And he doesn't state who the assailant was, right? We We do know that based on his testimony, his dead testimony, that something happened to his wife, we can only assume the worst. He kills her, kills himself, and now he's going to haunt this third party that we don't know. And we don't know who it was, so we don't know if he followed through with it. I'm sure he did. I'm sure if you commit a murder-suicide, you're <laughs> talk about a restless ghost, right? Talk about a spirit of vengeance. But it's a terrifying story. We don't know. I'm assuming that he did not just knock over a couple, you know, vases in this dude's house, in this assailant's house, or just, you know, stand behind him in the mirror being spooky. I'm sure it was full-on psychological terror. Like, I'm sure this guy actually was haunted until the day he died. But then what? You're a ghost for 
you know, as far as we know, when ghosts can stick, as far as we know, ghosts can stick around. The, the earliest ghosts that are still seen today are Roman centurions in Britain. So we can place it around like four or 500 AD. So as a ghost, there's a possible lifespan of around 1500 years. Because it's interesting. I don't know if we've ever covered that. I think I've talked off and on about it on the show. This Roman centurion ghosts are starting to fade away. So we think there's a lifespan, no pun intended, 1,500 years for a ghost to exist. So, sure, this dude, uh, it, first off, it's, you shouldn't kill your wife. I mean, like, I, I feel like I'm kind of sugarcoating that or glossing over that. That part's terrible. Or commit suicide. All of these things are bad. Even if it is to commit suicide to become a spirit of vengeance, it's not a good thing, right? Do I have to say that? Is that implied? Is that implied? I hope it is implied. Let's just say, though, you're 30 years old, you kill your wife, you kill yourself, now you're a ghost, and you've done this. It's kind of implied he did this so he could haunt the assailant. It wasn't an afterthought. You're 30 years old, you kill yourself. Let's say the assailant's 30 years old as well. He lives to be the ripe age of 70, so, I mean, or maybe shorter, maybe having a vengeful ghost in your house would definitely probably take a couple decades off your life, but let's say he lives to be 70 years old. You've now spent 40 years creating chaos in this dude's life. Rightfully so, right? If this guy, if what can, we can assume from the story, if this dude is a rapist, then I would I would argue, I'm sure this, I don't have to say this as well, but they deserve to be haunted. But um, he eventually dies at 70. So you have a remaining, just based on averages, 1,400 and 60 years left of floating around Macon, Georgia. Like, it's so short-sighted. I mean, technically, murder itself is short-sighted. Suicide's definitely short-sighted. But, for whatever reason, this guy thought that by killing his wife and then killing himself, it would give him the paranormal powers to haunt this other man. When really, the best case of action would be stay alive, keep your wife alive, and, and do what you can to ruin him or to have him thrown in jail um, as a living person. But... He did not go that route. Instead, he went the route of paranormal damnation, not just for himself, but for the woman he claimed to love. You'll haunt him until the day of his death. That is a very short time limit in the lifespan of a ghost. Matt, throw on your aviator glasses, get your flight suit ready. I'm going to toss you the keys to the Carboner Copter. We are leaving behind Macon, Georgia. Fly us all the way out to Peru. This is a story that has been covered on a couple other podcasts already. However, I hope that I'm giving a fresh take to it. I know the day that I release, I, <laughs> I got to make choices on this podcast, right? What goes in what episode? After my vacation, I had a choice of two stories to start off with. One, aliens invading Peru and the government and the media conspiring to cover it up. <laughs> or Lizzo, I could do an episode about Lizzo. So if you guys listen to Dead Rap Radio, you're like, well, you're doing this episode now. So I'm assuming you did a hour and 10 minute long episode about Lizzo. It's one of the longest episodes of Dead Rap Radio. 
So last podcast on the left beat me to the punch on this, which I might say might only be the second time they've ever done that. One of them, I covered a story about the bloody benders that I found out that they had done. Not that I don't want to repeat stuff the last podcast on the left already covered, but I do like to do stuff nobody else is talking about. But you figure if aliens are invading a country, it's going to get picked up on another couple podcasts. The day I released the Lizzo episode, last podcast on the left released an episode about this but i and i haven't heard it yet i don't have time to do anything but this podcast and watch the occasional horror movie i haven't heard it yet but hopefully i'll i think i have a spin on it that they didn't do <laughs> you're like jason you didn't hear it you don't know what they talked about they could have verbatim said what you're about to say ah, i don't know anyways uh last i'll put it in the show notes you can check out last podcast on the left's episode as well they cover stuff pretty good so i'm sure they also got their own spin on it it's June 2023. We're in the country of Peru. Specifically, we're in Alto Nane. That's in the Loreto region. And recently, well, starting back in June 2023, there's been an issue. What's been going on is that the people in the area, people in Alto Nane, have reported that they're being attacked by aliens. And these are not your typical gray aliens. The way that they describe these things, there's been a lot of first-person encounters with these guys. You know what? Actually, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going I'm to spoil it in the beginning because really I feel like this is a lot of how... I'll put all my cards on the table, okay? The government of Peru, the military of Peru, the media of Peru, and now national media have all decided on the same story. These villagers, they're these people known as the Aikaitu tribe in Alto Nane. They said they've been attacked by aliens. The government and the media around the world have said they are not aliens that you are being attacked by. What is happening is there is an illegal mining operation in the area, which that part is true. People do come from other parts of the world, other parts of South America, uh, Colombia and Brazil to be specific, there's a lot of gold in this area, so there are illegal gold mines operated in this area. So far this year, 10 gold mines have been shut down. Illegal operating gold mines in this region have been shut down. That is true. But when these people are saying, we're being attacked by these aliens, the media and the government have said, no, you're not. You're being attacked by miners, not kids, guys with pickaxes. Case closed. And it really has been closed. The, the, the news story's kind of been dropped. That's the ending to the story. Now, let me tell you what these people actually witnessed. They have seen seven-foot-tall, black-clad alien invaders who are bulletproof, can fly, have large yellow eyes, and round shoes. <laughs> Jason, that's most believable. Who cares? Why'd you include the round shoes? Giant yellow eyes. They wear a mask, but they, they you can still see the giant yellow eyes. So it's, I'm assuming it's like a face mask thing, and then the eyes are visible. They have round shoes. The reason why I bring up the round shoes is because that is how they fly. One man said, the one man who, who goes, listen, I opened fire on the thing. I shot it twice. It did nothing to it. These guys have these round shoes that they use to hover. He goes, this guy was about one meter in the air, which I think is about like seven 
six, seven feet, something like that. He flew up and then took off. Seven foot tall. Oh, and they also have very large heads with large yellow eyes. And then they have like a mask. The guy who opened the fire, he said that you could barely see their face, but you could definitely see the large yellow eyes. Bulletproof round shoes. Most important detail. And the reason I say that these aliens are attacking them, what they're doing to the villagers is they're not like punching them. They're not like shoving them over. They're not kicking them with their round shoes on. They're peeling off the faces of anyone they come across. So the locals call them Los Pelicaris, which means the face peelers. They're living up to their name. You should have given them a better name, a more cuddly name, the hug givers. Los Pelicaris. So think about the official story. Now, when we read this story as it was developing, first you see, I came across the photo of a guy with his face removed. Some people were carrying him through town. Now, here's the thing. We have no context for that photo. That photo could have been from a guy who died in the jungle and animals had taken parts of his face. Could be some sort of cartel thing. There's no date. There's no way to tell when that photo was taken or who took it or what the context was before that story. I've seen that photo floating around, mostly on X, right? I've seen that story floating around. We have official news websites that constantly tell the story of a 15-year-old girl who said she was out in the jungle. She was eating some fruit. And then she goes, I sensed the air change around me. And I saw more than one of these guys, these Los Pelicaris, come down. And shot me with a green light in my face. And I took off running. And she ended up having this cut on her neck. A school teacher said she saw one of these guys descend from the sky and try to snatch a school kid. And the kid was able to escape. And the guy flew off. That's how these news reports were coming out. After about a week... Then the reports come out saying, no, they're just illegal miners. They're just this gold mining operations, which do exist in the, op- in the area. They found that these people, the, the people who live in Alto Nane are not all a member of the Ikitu tribe. Um, that's the indigenous, one of the indigenous groups in that area. But they're saying this indigenous group is coming into contact with this gold mining operation and they're silencing them. Well, then uh, the obvious question is, even if you forget, okay, even if you forget the bulletproof part and the large heads and the seven feet tall, even if you were somehow just like whatever, the main thing is that they're flying around, right? You could have a bunch of NBA basketball players out there cutting people's faces off. Yeah, humans can be seven feet tall. With the right equipment, you could be bulletproof. How are they flying? And the government and the media have said, well, they're using jetpacks. Of course, they're using jetpacks. Because jetpacks are real nowadays. They are. And, of course, that's the end of the story. An illegal gold mining operation (laughs) are also bulletproof, seven feet tall, and have jetpacks. They're just illegal gold miners with jetpacks. Now, here's the thing. Of course, a lot of people go, oh, that makes sense. Because they're just reading the headlines, right? Most people don't read articles anymore. They just read headlines, first paragraph, whatever. But people that really dig into this, or people who just kind of sit and think about it for a second, is, wait a second, you're telling me a bunch of miners in South America are flying around on jetpacks. 
these jetpacks at minimum cost around two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Which I mean, if you're running in a, if you're running a legal gold mine, it, you, the, one of the least of your problems is money, right? They said that a lot of these gold mines are controlled by cartels, right? Cartels are really about diversification. So you can have them running drugs over the border as well as controlling avocado farms. Apparently, there's a big cartel push into the jellyfish farming industry as well because jellyfish is such a delicacy or medicinal in Asia. And it's a lot of money on the coast of Mexico. Now the cartels have shown up. And jellyfish farmers are given a choice. Move, right? Give up your business and just leave or work for the cartels. They diversify like most businesses do. Two hundred fifty grand is not a lot of money in the scheme of things, but here's the thing. There is no jetpack that fits the description of what these things do. There's a jetpack that has a, a pedestal that you stand on that makes your feet look round. Yes, that jetpack does exist. It's called the Zapata Flyboard. But it's loud. And... It's what's interesting is the way that people describe these things is that they they have round shoes and they go from walking to flying. And there's a pad flyboard is a pedestal. You would have to get off of it and walk around and then get back onto it and fly away. You cannot easily go from flying to walking. The other very popular and again, very expensive jetpack out there does have your feet free. But you have these two thrusters. You have two thrusters that you hold with each hand. I don't even know how, if you can get these yet. You probably could, again. If you're able to smuggle drugs across the border, I'm sure you could get a couple of jetpacks back over the border. But that jetpack does allow you to walk. You could walk around and then fly away. The problem is, is that no one has described these entities as having rocket hands. And even the way that the young girl described it, it wasn't that she heard anything coming. It was that the air changed around her. Which makes it sound more alien, which makes it sound more interdimensional. Now, I actually tried finding a sound clip of these jetpacks so I could play it for you. What was interesting is almost all of them had really, I shouldn't say really bad, because for all for all I know, one of you guys is a producer and made a song for one of these YouTube videos, but everyone, but every video, but the one you worked on, really bad, like, electronic music. So they'll be like, check out this new jetpack. I'm gonna fly. I'm gonna fly through the sky. Adventure. Adventure time. The whole video. And I watched so many of these flying videos. And I think, you know why they're doing that? It's because they sound. <laughs> they sound absolutely terrible. I bet you these things are either really loud or super annoying. I was able to eventually find a clip. And I might, <laughs> I'll put the clip in the show notes. My instincts were right, though. It was so annoying. It's very whiny. Type of sound. Maybe I'll put the sound clip in there. I don't know. YouTube's been coming after me again for all sorts of stuff. I just had to file a complaint to appeal today, so I'm trying not to get too 
sampling too much stuff. Uh, I don't know how much longer I'll be on YouTube, but the um, it pretty much did what I thought. They were covering up that these things are super annoying. You would hear them coming is what I'm saying. And in none of these stories are people saying, yeah, we're sitting there at the local cafe and then all of a sudden our ear eardrums started to bleed. All of a sudden we started to hear electronic dance music. Fly through the sky, fly away, fly away. No, they're standing there and all of a sudden there's a seven foot tall entity standing behind them. There's a photo. I feel like I got to kind of address everything. I had like, this is why it took me so long to do this segment. I had 17 articles that I had been uh, like putting bookmarks on so I could read them all when this was time to do this. I was reading them all. I feel like I kind of got to address everything. I hope it's not boring. There's, because I feel like I do, because there's, I know I'm going to get a lot of pushback on this, right? About what about this? What about that? There's a photo of a girl. I don't know if it's the same girl who got the laser to her neck, but there's a photo going around of a girl holding up her cell phone. And on that cell phone is a picture of a man in a jetpack with a black helmet. Okay. And she's holding that. There's a photograph of her holding a picture on her smartphone of a man in a jetpack. That photo is often captioned. Here is a photo that the girl or a girl or someone took of one of these aliens. Now, that photo is actually, if you Google Zapata Flyboard, that is from their website or a website affiliated with them. That is a stock photo of the Zapata Flyboard. There's no argument about that. It's 100% that photo. So you go, well, Jason, okay, now you've, you've exposed that this is, it, it is the illegal miners or it's a hoax because how did she take a picture of this thing, you know, it's it was a photo taken months, if not years ago. Here's my thing. When we're talking about stories that are in another language, which is all of these stories, what Peru is uh, Spanish, right? Yeah, Brazil's Portuguese. All of these stories, you're having a language barrier. So right off the bat, you so right off the bat, you kind of have to allow for some things like that. Just like the photo of the man with his face gone, being pulled through the city. We don't have a context for that photo. I can't say 100% that is a victim of the Los Pelicaros. This photo of a girl, this is what I think, and I could be wrong, right? Put on my conspiracy cap. I think it's like this. You're trying to explain something to somebody. They don't understand what you're talking about. You're like, it was like a guy in this jetpack. He was flying around, and you're like, what do you mean a jetpack? What type of jetpack? So you look something up on Google, and you show them a picture of someone on a jetpack. You go, this. This is what I'm talking about. This is what it looked like. And then you take a photo of me holding the phone with the stock photo of the guy in the jetpack, and then you go, it's a hoax, because she's that's not a photo she took. But we have no proof that she said, this is a photo I took. Because if that's true, then then she's lying. Doesn't mean everyone else in the region's lying. That means she's lying. But we have just based on a subtitle in an English language newspaper that's based off information that's originally all put out in Spanish. Here's a photo that a girl took of one of the flying invaders. We don't know the context of it. We don't know why she has that. If she said, I took this photo... She's lying because that is a stock photo. We know that for sure. But to say, oh, it's all hoaxed because we know that that single photo is fake. I, I'm not buying that. Now you go, Jason, you're obviously like just grasping it. <laughs> so you're going to make up this whole backstory. You go, well, yeah, that could have happened. But 
What I'm saying is it's, it's what's the context of these things. So here I found this quote in the Jerusalem Post. Again, this is a national, international story at this point. The Jerusalem Post, it took me a while to find this quote too. Like I said, I've read 17 different articles about this. I'm not humble bragging. <laughs> it's been a lot of time doing it. I'm not bragging. The Jerusalem Post had this quote from uh, someone who encountered these things in Peru. They said, quote, their faces are hidden and their bodies are floating. They use their arms for balance when flying, but they walk normally. So you go, Jason, maybe that's the jetpack where you hold the thrusters if they're moving around. Let me finish. They fly, this villager continues, they fly by activating something on the bottom of their feet. They have wheels with lights. So that doesn't connect to either the Zapata flyboard or the other jetpack that uses the hands. You don't activate that with your feet. That's a handheld. It's like the, the two rockets. I got all the pictures in the show notes and stuff like that, but like the two rocket jets that you hold in your hand. So it could, listen, the logical answer is that it is miners with jetpacks, but there is not a jetpack that fits the descriptions that these people are giving. And if that is true, then they are cutting the faces off of people. They're trying to kidnap kids. They're shooting lasers at teenage girls. Where are the arrests? Sure, they're shutting down these illegal gold mines. What about the murder? What about the assault charges? If these are actually people doing it, then how come people aren't being brought to justice? So we have that, but that's the most logical explanation. And that's the explanation that the media and the government of Peru have kind of gone with. National media and international media have been like, oh, just turned out to be illegal mining with jetpacks that don't make sense, that are totally quiet, that you can sneak up on people and uh, just ignore the whole seven feet tall, bulletproof, cutting people's faces off part. But I got one more wrinkle. We got to wrap this episode up. I know it's going long, but we got one more wrinkle here. And this is the reason why I read 17 articles when it comes to stories like this. There's a newspaper called the Merco Press, which is a South Atlantic news agency. And they mentioned in June 2023, in the Loreto district, so same month, same region of where these stories took place. There was a 16-day joint military operation known as the Bilateral Jungle Operations Exchange. That's where the U.S. sent members of the military down into this region of Peru for training. Quote-unquote training. The Bilateral Jungle Operations Exchange, where we sent these members of the military into Peru with their, they knew we were going down there. It was a bilateral, we were training with them. This is who we sent down there. About 87 Marines, a contingent of the U.S. Special Forces, a group of service members from the Air Force, and we also sent down service members from the U.S. Space Force. What in the world was the U.S. Space Force doing in the jungles of Peru in the month of June 2023? Could be a coincidence, sure. But it could also be a clue that whatever was in this jungle wasn't from planet Earth.
deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.